Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thanks for watching The Instant Reaction. For full episodes of the Canon Podcast, sign up as a YouTube member on this channel or go to patreon.com forward slash the Canon Pod. Welcome back to the Instant Reaction. Arsenal 1, RC Law 2 in Northern France. Um, disappointing performance, to say the least. Uh, George, mm. I don't think I've ever seen you so angry. <laughs> uh, no, I'm pissed, mate. I've got a lot to say because... Um... I think Mikel uh, let the occasion get to him. I don't think he did well, and he actually lost us this game for me. I think that um, the reaction to going 1-0 down really disappointed me, not just from the team, but from the coach in terms of how he's going to access the balance issues in the squad. We still don't really do that, and I think that when you have a look at this game, there are just some narratives that I would like to tease out. You know, I'm not going to hide behind it. I think David Raya... A lot of stuff has been said about his composure in terms of distribution. I've now seen two games against two cauldron-like performances where he shirked responsibility. After Tottenham, when we conceded, he had very, very poor distribution and didn't let us control the game. Similarly here, beyond the mistake tonight, because that can happen to any player, his distribution was very poor in this type of environment. And when we talk about Raya-Ramsdale games, this was the definition of a Ramsdale game. And... I'm very frustrated because it's not just David Raya, but I think the entire team lacked tempo. They lacked dynamism. There was a lack of effort in terms of um, how vertical we wanted our play to be. And I think that the coach added a lot of ball defeat players into the 11 and did not balance um, the side whatsoever. And so we were left with doing much of the same thing. We funneled play out wide. We didn't access the center of the pitch. And I don't know, how many, how many passes did you count that were maybe in the proverbial zone 14? We're accessing it. I would love to know the stats. Couldn't be more than three. And um, I think a lot of it had to do with some poor performances from people that I think we need to talk about. You know, our eights are a problem right now. I don't think that it's been working. It's been now many games where I think the central access has been a problem. This isn't just a, an issue in one or two games. And I think beyond that, um, some really players that have done well in the past 
for us, like in Trossard, had a very poor game. Couldn't chase his own touch. Um, and I think really only Saliba, Saka, and Declan Rice could really have a have a way to um, to stand on their two feet and say, I played well. Those were the only players that I think did well. And even Saliba, I think you could ask questions on the goal as well in terms of letting uh, players run off him. And so difficult night. I don't think the team played well, but I don't think the coach also did well in terms of responding to the environment and responding to what the team needed. Let's have a look at the numbers. Uh, long two, Arsenal one. 0.8 expected goals to 1.2 from us uh, with a similar amount of shots, uh, th- three more shots on target than them, uh, 66% possession, field total of 74.7. Final third entries of 77 did not feel like that at all. Uh, deep touches, uh, 37. Zone 14 touches, 30. But I suppose zone 14 touches, I'm interested in zone 14 entries. How, how, how many times did we access that area from a player passing to somebody else? Uh, in that area, not carrying or not touching, as in how many times we pass into that area? Because I agree with you, and I, I think I tweeted, it, it couldn't be been more than two or three. Yeah. Um, progressive passes, that there is something there's something about our progression at the minute that is that is a concern. Um, our PPDA quite high at 10.4. Um, this was the sort of running XG throughout the game, sort of similar to Lon, uh throughout the game. This was the shot map, the XG shot map. Um no shots sort of inside the six shell box, sort of similar numbers to uh to to long there, and then the field tilt a little sort of period just before they scored their goal, uh where they had a bit more of the of the field tilt. Um let's look at the goal probability added. So Trossard on that number was was our best. Reese Nelson second best, interestingly, even though he played only played 20, 30 minutes. Um Fabio Vieira right down there, um, Emil Smith Rowe right down there as well. Um, and goal probability by action. As well, and finally, this is our passing network. Uh, so yeah, I think this for me, George, tells the story of the game. This gaping hole here <laughs> feels like the story of the game, really. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, in many ways, um, I think I was waiting at half time. This feels like a story, uh, like another Champions League night, a sort of beautiful fairy tale that we're going to be, I was saying, I just don't want us to be the sort of the recipient of a fairy tale night. And it felt as though this is going to be one that, you know, lawn supporters possibly not getting out of the group, uh, maybe harsh prediction because they did play very well tonight, uh, but certainly not getting me on much beyond uh, uh, maybe where they'd like to in the competition. Might look back on this as their return to the Champions League. They won 2-1, come back in the same way that they, you know, the commentators were going on it. They love a narrative and I was just really keen for us not to do that. But, we did. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a disappointing game. I have to say, for me, um, when, when I look through individually, I'm sort of broadly in agreement with you that I I think some ind- players individually had a poor night, hundred percent. But I, I I would I would put this on the coach. I would say this is a, this is a coach's a coaching error. Why do you think we couldn't access the central area so much? Because firstly, credit to Long, because I thought they were really good. I thought they defended really, really well, especially those central areas. Uh, I thought the two centre-backs did well to deal with Jesus. I thought they uh, covered that space really well and just let us have the wide areas. But also, is it not about a bit of bravery? Is it not about Smithrow coming in and showing showing, and not just Smithrow? Is it not about Erdogan coming in and showing? Is it not about Habits coming in and showing? Taking it on the back foot and turning straight away. It felt like whenever we got it into those zones or we're getting close to those zones, we just played it immediately straight back. We're not willing to turn. That was my main feeling. 
but there weren't enough runners in behind to release. And I, and I think that when you looked at it, like look at the right and look at the left right now for, for one second. On the right, Tommy asked, so we know what he offers at right back. He doesn't provide the same dynamism as Ben White. So he's going to be a little bit deeper. And then you're asking Saka to have an overlap from whom? And and that, for me, is a huge issue. So immediately you have a stifled right-hand side, which, by the way, Saka, for me, was one of our better technical references on the night, but obviously he he goes out injured. And then now you lack any ability to have a run in behind without Martinelli in the 11. Saka's the next best person to do so. And I think that this entire front line lacked um, adventure in terms of their off-the-ball runs. Look, we can talk about maybe receiving in the half turn and taking it on the half turn, but fundamentally when you've got a low block like what Lens have got here, and they were very diligent off the ball, they had a lot of intensity, right? And they blocked off the center of the pitch. We've kind of talked about this on the channel quite a bit before. There are different ways that you can access the center, okay? The first thing is I think that we're far too predictable in our eight movements. I don't see enough people accepting responsibility. That's the first one. Number two, I don't feel like this team does enough in terms of accessing the half spaces. See a lot of other teams able to do that. So we leave ourselves very predictable to going towards the outside. And by going towards the outside, you result in maybe quite a bit of final third entries, but none of them have shot locations that are dangerous. They're very easy to defend against. And when you push people out wide as a defense, that's what you want. You have less angles to attack. You also have a larger distance to goal. And Something needs to, have, to to be changed a bit. I don't think it's just about bravery on the ball. I think there is something a little bit more. I think there's a balance issue that's happened because um, I think I've seen, especially in the second half, Declan Rice took a lot of responsibility. I think he grew into the game. You can maybe critique him for his forward passing in the first half, but second half, he was looking over the top. He was looking between the lines. He was taking a lot more responsibility on, so he was very progressive himself, but people were recycling the ball not willing to make a run in behind or keep their width. And everything came a lot central and we almost ball watched and we just lost our structure. I think when you were going through really quickly that passing map made, like how many people could you say were touchline or out wide or spread the pitch? There was, I think, a blanket that you could put our most uh, heavy passing combination over four players and they all shared five to 10 yards. It's just not good enough. Yeah. Hello, Buffs. Uh, we were just broadly talking about the lack of central access uh, and obviously what George was saying there about the, the tactical issues. Um, I felt like we were sort of the the stooges in the story. We were the kind of the, the straight man to the to the comedy uh, comedy piece. Uh, it felt as though this was a, a very much a sort of a, a perfect night for Lon that we just happened to be on the other side. Your overall, overall thoughts, please, sir. I mean, it'll take me time to get my overall thoughts because it's been very... It's very soon after the game. You have to actually digest what's happened. But, yeah, I think I was very annoyed. Um, I think George summarised it perfectly. Is that it's, it's the lack of, I guess, creativity in our passing. It's very simple. It's very predictable. And it's like, you know you've got the quality to do so. You've got the players to get them in the right areas. And we're not doing it. And every time we almost break the first line, we go back again. And we start mm. again. And we start, kept, kept, kept starting again and again. And it's not just the theme of this game. It's been throughout the season. Is when we break that first line, you're going like, let's, let, let's get forwards. Let's take a risk. You know, Arsenal weren't doing it. And we actually saw it right at the end of the game when they finally started to just fire the ball into the box. Maybe aimlessly at times, but towards the right direction, we will, you know, we will cause them more problems. So it's an example of what we need to do going into the future is just take more risks. And I think right now, this Arsenal team is way too safe, predictable. And that's why so far the Sierra attack hasn't clicked because everything 
everything's in front of them. It has to be perfectly timed. And, you know, sometimes it's just about taking risks and getting those players in the right areas. And I saw it right towards the end of the game. We saw it like throwing the ball into the box before, for the quarters and stuff. It causes chaos and teams can't cope with it. And we've got players to then pin teams into it. But we're not using that to our advantage. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of fans tonight will talk about Kai Havertz. I, I don't think he's the reason why Arsenal lost this game. So I, don't, I won't blame the player for that. Um, but you saw Smith Rowe's cameo. What Arsenal could do with a bit more dynamism in that area, a bit more responsibility of a player that actually wants to make something happen. That even just, even just taking a shot sometimes is enough to get fans going. Um, so you know there they weren't that many positives, but I think Rice Rice was the one. I'm like, okay, cool. Once we went two one down, I'm looking for who's taking responsibility. I'm looking at Declan Rice. He's picking the ball up. He's driving the ball forward. He's going no. Oh. And there was one moment where I think Lens. I think just just after they scored, uh, Rice clatters into one of their players and wins the ball back. That's what I want to see. A player that goes, okay, look, we're two one down. I want to take responsibility, and I think going into the future that will help us in certain scenarios. Mm. Well, look at a specific player um, in Alexander Zinchenko, who's come under a little bit of pressure online. So this is his performance this evening in terms of his overall heat map. Um, interesting, <laughs> interesting positioning. Um, I want to draw attention to this: ground jewels won none. Errol draws one, none. But more about the fact that he contested barely any. And I think that's maybe fair. Uh, clearances, none. And block shots, none. Interceptions, one. Okay. Tackles, none. Triple pass, none. Because I felt as though he was simply bypassed. Now, in, in yeah. some senses, George, obviously you can argue that it's not necessarily Zinchenko's role. But have we lost something in terms of going backwards? Because clearly they were targeting our, our left-hand side. Have we lost something with Xhaka? Let's face it where oops that is not meant to happen um where uh we don't we aren't able to support our left hand side as well as we used to um you'd think with Declan Rice there but obviously Declan Rice is, has more sort of right hand side uh, uh responsibilities there seems to be a problem on our left hand side I've talked about it before in terms of redundancy I think there's too many players there that want to do the same role right now what I'm seeing as a general pivot between Zinchenko and between Thomas Partey is that it's too square there are too many people that are square to their angles. And that, that goes just as much as Zinchenko as it does Declan Rice, by the way. And there's not enough people that are receiving on the slant and being able to penetrate. And I, I think it comes down to, you know, a lot of people confuse technical ability with ability on the half turn. And, and, I, and I think this is what's happening with Zinchenko. Look, he had a bad game. And I think that he's been generally very good defensively. He kind of threw it back to sporting away today. Let's have it right. It was very poor defensively. It was very poor in terms of his control of the ball, especially as the temperature heated up. I don't like the response that a lot of our experienced players have, including Jesus, who, by the way, I love the boy, but you have to calm down when you've got the captain's armband. And when you're 2-1 down on a night like that, you need to control your emotions. Don't rile up the crowd anymore. Don't get in there. I love that you defend the boys, but I think he rushes his actions far too much when the temperature increases. And he needs, he needs himself a level of control that I think sometimes evades him. And I think with Zinchenko, the one thing that you're going to look at tonight is just there's a very poor defensive performance. And we know that he has that in him. I think he's been really good this season again. But fundamentally, it comes down to the creativity, mate. Like It, it is not acceptable for Arsenal to do what we've done last season in terms of accessing the center of the pitch and this change about what we're doing out wide. And the one thing is... When you are building out wide, you need added pressure on dynamism. And yes, I'm going to do the little apropos central running power thing. Because when you're 
when you're adding so many players that are ball to feet, count with your hand how many players on that 11 that ended the second half were proverbial ball to feet players. You've got Reese Nelson, you've got Zinchenko, you've got Fabio Vieira, you had Martin Odegaard. Um, it is it is incredibly um, simple to understand. I'm sorry, and this is, goes on Mikel. He needs to understand and respect balance from a passing perspective, but from a running perspective. And look, it's no surprise that I felt Emil looked bright. It's not because I love the player. It's because it's what the game needed. You yeah. know, you, you can't sit there and look at uh, our issues in terms of progressing the ball through into zone 14, into carrying and being comfortable on the half turn, and then not having Thomas Partey, Emil Smith-Rowe, Martinelli out wide. These are players that change the tempo of a game, and they can increase um, both on the ball but off the ball the dynamism of the team. None of our players had a, the ability to do that, except for maybe Smith Rowe, especially in the subs. That's where I think the problem lied. Um, and I do think generally the team should look at themselves because I don't think the application was great all game. Even in the moments that we controlled the game at the beginning of the first half, I thought that our play was slow. I still thought it was pedantic. And I still feel that when we got the goal, that came from a pressing engagement. So kudos to us in that aspect. But we didn't create, um, I would say, a plethora of chances that we... Um, peppered the box uh, of, of lens. I think that, you know, our press did well to do it. But beyond that, I don't think we creatively we, are, we were at our best. Yep. So um, struggle with that. Nearly 300 of you here. Please make sure you like and subscribe and become a new member like Arsenal Adventure. Thank you so much, Arsenal Adventure. Yeah, I just want to briefly return to one point you made, George, which I think is is a good one. Um, and while you're speaking, I did this. Um, I think what often happens is when the ball's in here with Zinchenko, you're absolutely right. Rice is receiving it far, t- for me, uh, he, he hasn't quite got the balance of learning how, when to take it on the slant, learning when to drop. Same with Zinchenko. When Rice has the ball, I felt as though Zinchenko's either trying to come back and take the ball off him, off him short rather than sitting up between the lines or in between the lines. And I, I find this relationship was essentially a lot of our problem. The... Maybe moving on to a different uh, topic, Babs, but uh, obviously a lot will be made of the Saka situation. Um, I feel as though what's probably what's going to happen is we'll get a quote from Arteta essentially saying, well, I don't know, I haven't spoken to him, or yeah, he felt something. Friday he'll say he hasn't trained yet. Friday he'll train. Saturday we'll get <laughs> training picks and he'll start on Sunday. I mean, it's, it feels like the the general feeling. However, I take a lot of people's points when they say... <laughs> Why why is he starting this game? If if we know he's already, you know, maybe in the red zone, there's so much, it's difficult because there's so much information we don't know. But when a player, and, and I appreciate that, but when a player limps off about three games in a row, you start going, okay, but I don't trust you to, to make the right decision. Or are we just projecting our sort of insecurities and worries about the weekend? I think in terms of the injury today, we can't be certain what it is. Because, yeah, I think it was a muscular injury. And I don't think he went off yeah. against, in the last game, a muscular injury. So it could and be he, something that he he just happened in the game. Yeah. yeah, it could be something that happened in the game. I'm pretty sure the, the previous one was more like a, a, a knock on his foot. So we're trying to link maybe too much here. Because unless it is something from before he's carrying over, which we can find out from Arteta after, he might say, look, this is something he's been carrying. And if it's not been that case, then I think finally to just take away that link of going, okay, oh, because he's been starting so many games, that's why he's injured tonight. It could have happened against Man City. It could be, you know, something completely unlinked. Um, And I think I saw someone say that he didn't request to go off and it was kind of Arsenal taking him off as well at the same time. I think he would have carried on. He didn't look that uncomfortable to me right as he went off, to be honest. I think he could have carried on a little bit more. 
But I think I also realised, look, there's no point of risking him with the fans already on, on the case of, you know. But then we saw it without him. We started Fabio Vieira and Vieira played. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Just spoke to Mikel Arteta about know. Saka's injury. It doesn't look good. And that's from a journalist who was there this evening for TV2 Sports. But what does it mean doesn't look good? Is it like a, a, a muscular pull or something? I, I, I don't know. We can't we can't jump to conclusions before we find out for a fact what's happened. That's what I'm trying to say. But yeah. we saw without him, if we had rested him and started Fabio Vieira, I mean, are we better? Do we win that game? Well, Probably I think not. part of the problem, though, is mate, like it, we, we're looking at individual players right now. And I think, look, the, the one quick thing I'll say medically, by the way, is um, it was testing for a hamstring on, on, on the pitch. OK, yeah. that was the test. In terms of what it could be, it could be a multitude of things. Mikel is not the most reliable person post-injuries to start not talking. True. So let's not do this whole, oh my goodness, and then he plays, like you said. But for the most part, Fabio Vieira, in terms of who was his partner on the right, I know Ben came on later towards the second half. For a majority of that cameo, it was Tommy Asu and, yeah. you know, and Martin Odegaard. And I think along the same side, that isn't balanced in terms of passers to runners and the, the ratio is not correct. So when I'm looking at it, okay, Fabio didn't perform well today. And, you know, I, but I've seen him perform right wing, by the way, against Monaco earlier in preseason. And when you've got somebody that isn't dynamic, we know what he's like. He's not somebody that's going to be taking it on the outside. You need to give him a dynamic overlap in order for him to succeed. And I don't think we did. And, and I hate to do it, but if you're going to keep Tommy Asu at right back, you need Emil Smith-Rowe on the right in order to provide that overlap. If you don't, and you want to have Ben White, and you want to allow him to go up, that's fine. But then still having Martin Odegaard and um, Fabio Vieira on the same side of the pitch, two players who like the same zones, you're going to get stuck. You're still going to have redundancy. So you need to make a decision about what you would like from that point, and then go from there. For example, if we did have somebody else, we have so many striking options on the pitch, why isn't Gabriel Jesus tried out at right wing? who has done a brilliant job for City the year before as a right winger and provides, by the way, dynamic runs off that side. That That is something that I don't understand. So I'm really mm. frustrated with Mikel. I think he's made a lot of basic coaching errors today. I think he let the occasion get to him. And I think that beyond that, just moving forward, we need to appreciate balance in the side quite a bit more than what we've done all season. Yep. Let's move on to some individual performances then. I've got the numbers for David Raya here. Uh, David Raya, his heat map there, that's uh, fairly uninteresting. Uh, but in terms of goals prevented, minus 0.79. Interesting. One punch, one high claim. 80% uh, of his passes were accurate. And in terms of his long balls, he tried to. Did you feel that, by the way, with the three, accurate passes? And three were accurate. Honestly, in the f I have to say, in the first half, no. Uh, look, I... I I'd, I, sorry, I'm going to go on David Raya because, and you know what, it's really sad because I feel I love the player, but I've seen a lot of stuff online where we have recruited him for this composure. Ramsdale is too erratic in terms of his distribution. It's not consistent enough. And then I've seen Ramsdale now in two games with high-pressured environments unable to do that. So I, I, I struggle to, to speak honestly about this because I, I do feel that We've got two keepers right now. People are involved in player wars, but he played really poor today for me, David Raya. I think he needs to do better. And I think he needs to do better in moments where the temperature rises. He needs to not um, distribute long. He needs to not give up the ball as quickly. He did it against Tottenham. He's doing it again now. And I'm worried 
in terms of another atmosphere with Man City coming up, that's now two games in very close succession that I've seen him lose his composure in terms of his distribution, which make no mistake about it is a strength. But if you're not going to show that composure when the, when the environment gets tough, then I'm concerned and I'm concerned why Aaron Ramsdale has got that tag, but David Raya hasn't for it's really ironic. Cause for me, a lot of the criticism that Aaron Ramsdale has got throughout the last couple of weeks on this change has been what David Raya has shown but I see nobody really talking about it. Yep. Babs, what thoughts on that? I agree. Most of it, I agree. Uh, I think the reason why some fans don't really go into, don't get into Raya's case for that party was because maybe he looks a bit natural sometimes, like especially playing out the back when it comes to like, the short passes, he makes it looks a bit more cleaner. And I think aesthetics are very important for fans nowadays. They make a lot of judgments of how aesthetically pleasing players are. And Ramsdale sometimes looks a bit more rushed, even though the accuracy of the passing is is pretty similar. Um, and that long pass, I think it was it was a mistake. And then I think even the save itself for that first, I'm not sure if he could could have saved it. I don't know. It felt like he could have, maybe. Um, but again, I think Mikel Arteta believes Raya is better. As you said, down to composure, but we ain't seen it in these more important games against Lens and against Tottenham. So now against City, what happens? He's going to start, and we, that's that's a real test because City will press again, and can he can he cope with that? But um, I'm concerned, but at the same time, I'll give him some time because he is just joined as well. Yeah, I think I think that's broadly where I'm at, Babs. Like I I hear and don't disagree with a lot of what you're saying, George, and I, and I think we haven't seen it. I think Mohamed Basha puts it pretty well. Uh, where is it? He said, I see zero gain from the whole keeper drama we went through. And at the moment, yeah, broadly, I agree. You know, it's like we've solved one problem and started another. So, yeah, I, I yeah. And, and, and personally, for me, someone actually, um, Bradley, uh, who used to be on the Different Not podcast, made a really good point to me this week. He texted me and said, I'm happy for Mikel to be ruthless, but then you have to understand that once you are ruthless, especially with players that people absolutely love you then have to accept there's going to be a different level of criticism. Like it, you can't have, you can't be ruthless and then expect people to just go, oh, okay, well, that's fine. So I, I completely agree with that. Um, let's come on to uh, Abel's comment. Thank you for the super, mate. An inverted fullback who cannot defend is a joke. So, Bavs, uh, yeah, thoughts on Zinchenko's performance this evening? Yeah, it wasn't the best defensively. Um, I actually think on the ball in the first half, he was one of the few players that tried to make something happen. He was always trying to, you know, find a little pass. Didn't work honestly but he was trying and I think compared to Rice on the ball in the first half he was trying to be a bit more adventurous a bit more purpose in his passing um, but yeah I think right now he's giving a lot of responsibility to obviously come inside to invert and as you saw from the heat map it, it is almost one of a midfielder sometimes he drifts over to the right hand side completely so it's a, yeah, it's a lot of responsibility for a fullback to have but defensively I'm not surprised uh, he's not perfect he's far from perfect and he struggles at times he's not got the athletic ability of a Ben White the running power to you know get back and, and track back so it's, I've not learned anything new if that makes mm. sense yeah. I know I know his yeah. deficiencies are defending um, yep. in, in those massive channels and you know obviously Lentz targeted that today but again take him out of the team and how can we replace that in terms mm. of influence of course unless party is fully fit and available do do we think it was in, well, it was indicative of, of of what we thought was maybe going on on that side that we moved Tom Yasuo over to that side because I think that's a very clearly a, a decision made to, to, to sort of shore things up a bit late for mm. me and this is I think it's easy after the fact to say oh Mikel's decisions are always late but it feels like a bit of a theme of Mikel's management that he does let things play out for a little bit too long generally mm-hmm. just putting that out there either of you can take that <laughs> yeah, I, I agree I agree I think he, he does wait a bit too long and it, it's almost as soon as we concede 
all those changes that you know he should have made, he makes straight away. Havertz off, Smith Rowe mm. on, Tomiyasu over, Nelson on. Like it, he's waiting for something to happen for him to be proved wrong rather yeah. than being proactive. And I think it's something that he can add to his game for sure. I agree. Uh, I think the frustration, just really quickly again, is that that point that you made, Babs, it's reactive, not proactive. That's not something that we could say very often about Mikel, generally speaking. And when you talk about the meritocracy, Alex made, like, this is what I think I'm getting frustrated with Mikel because no matter what, there are certain players right now in the 11 that I think he's giving more rope for themselves to hang with than he does others. And he is extremely ruthless with a group of players. Mm-hmm. And then there's other group of players who, let's have it right, have not performed well that are his stewards, that are his stalwarts. And he gives them more of a platform to recover form, to recover um, a particular play. And, you know, I, I think that is where the issues come in. I think Mikel being ruthless is something we all love to see, but you must be meritocratic, i.e. you have to make sure that those principles apply to everybody, even your favorite players, even people that have done well for you in the past. And that is just the one issue that I'm seeing right now that is not lining up. And now I just want to end on Zinchenko again, poor night, but I don't think he's had a poor season. And that's from somebody who I think has criticized him to do well defensively. I think today was an off night. Not really something that you want to look back on. Another sporting away performance. It's poor. But I do think that Mikel needs to have a look at himself in terms of what he needs to balance the team, how he needs to improve things creatively, because we can't continue this season in the manner that we've done. And I think we're approaching now something like 10 games played this season. This is no longer, for me, a small sample. It's becoming a pattern of the way that we've been playing. So that's that's been something that I've been very frustrated with. Acker says, let Georgia cook. Got a new name. And Moonlight <laughs> says, Ramsdale should start as an inverted goalkeeper. I agree. Um, other individuals we maybe could talk about. Uh, Trossard's performance, I thought, was was fine. I mean, ultimately, he's going to be judged off that high leverage moment where he basically kicks it at the, <laughs> at the keeper's leg. Um, but I thought he did okay. I mean, he's also returning from fitness. So I don't know if there's only so much we can... We can, uh, sorry, from injury. So there's only so much we can judge him on. Uh, Jesus's performance, I thought, was f- fine. Again, it's like in the on these sorts of nights. I know it's an easy thing to say, but we're crying out for that sort of penalty box demon who you can who c- can hold it up in maybe a different way than a Jesus can. Um, yeah. yeah, thoughts on thoughts on Jesus tonight, Bavs? Yeah, I I agree in that aspect. Um, you know, in the first half, he scored a lovely goal. And I think he's got a very good record in the Champions League, so you can't forget about that. And he obviously continued that as well. But yeah, you're right. It is the difference in the boxes. And uh, it's like after we went 2-1 down, I was like, who's actually going to score? Like, who's mm-hmm. realistically actually going to score? Um, and we don't have that sense of inevitability, especially when you've got you know, Saka or Martinelli, who are obviously our main two outlets. You take them off the field, you don't have that player going, right, you know, you know he's going to get a chance and he'll, he'll take that chance as well. Um, so it's not like to, to blame Jesus. I think he was fine. But I think, you know, that's something that also looking to add and there's a reason behind that. Uh, Nelson's cameo, George? Um, tough one because I felt like there were moments where he was secure, but I don't think he was fed enough. There were so many times that he was 1v1 or I was screaming at my screen to give it to him. Uh, but then some of the moments that he did receive at 1v1, I think he let it go out of play too simply. And uh, I was frustrated with the times he did get it. So... Um, I still think he should have started. I think that Trissard, it's very expectable to have um, a slow start to come back. I was surprised by the stats that you read at the beginning of the match because I thought his touch was heavy. I don't think that he influenced play as much as um, maybe the stats have have led us to see there. Um, 
but it's understandable. He's coming back from injury. So, and I'm not going to about to go criticize Trissard, who for the most part has been a very consistent player for us since his time that he's been here. So um, I can give him a game to kind of get back from injury. I just think that Reese Nelson does the job of a touchline winger far better than uh, Trissard does, period. End of story. It's about role. And it, and it comes back mm. to the coach, unfortunately. Again, I, I don't think if... that he... Yeah. And I wonder if we we had Nelson on from the start, one of those runners in behind could have, could have made the difference. So, yeah. Um, Rafa, I'm going to compl- I'm going to keep ignoring you and say uh, and ask about City. Uh, City this weekend. We will obviously discuss this on the pod on Thursday, which will be out for members and patrons in full, and for a, a sort of half for YouTube subscribers. Bavni, thoughts on City this weekend? How are you feeling? We're going to smoke them. Light work. Is that what you wanted to hear? Yes. Um, Yes. I, I, I don't know. Uh, honestly, the thing is, a lot can change, though. If Saka is fit and available, again, massively on Arsenal's favour. Partey is fit, technically, on the bench today, so will he start that game? How will Arteta move? Um, Martinelli could return as well. So, you know, if we if we went back to a team of where you got Martinelli, Saka and Jesus front free, Partey, Rice and Odegaard midfield free, I'm confident. That's at home. You know, I know they've got Stones and, and Silver back, but they've got a hard game tomorrow. Leipzig away in, in very good form. Um, and no Rodri or Kevin De Bruyne these are two massive difference makers City are missing and we have our difference makers available uh, and Rice on form as well playing maybe higher up the pitch I'm not sure we'll see how that works mm-hmm. out um, but you know Arsenal playing a more solid team that is almost returning to our actual dynamics that the players are actually comfortable with and not trying these new systems out then I, I think we've got a very good chance and it should be a game we win I know you, you shouldn't say that against City because City are a very dangerous team but this is the best chance you get of beating a Man City team and if we can't beat them now and we have serious ambitions of winning a title this season, then when can we? If we don't have Saka, George, is that still true? Um, yeah, well, I think the bigger question is, will Mikel balance without Saka? Because that's something that I'm not confident on. Mm. Um, I, I don't think, look, obviously Saka and Martinelli are two of our most important players. Losing them against um, champions elect is something that you're not going to be confident doing. Facts. That's on one hand. On another hand, I still feel, and I'm an optimist in that way, that we can still absolutely balance and create threat in different ways. And one of them would be Jesus at, at right wing. As I've said, I think when Saka's not available, if we're facing a big team, Jesus at right wing is definitely something that I believe is um, is the best option that we've got currently. And then when I have a look at it, I still think Havertz as a striker right now is, if, if you're insistent on him playing, by the way, which I don't think he's deserved to, I think it's harsh to say that he's been bad, but he hasn't been good. And he certainly hasn't been influential in the way that we would need somebody of him to be on the ball. But if you're going to play him, I'm struggling to understand how that imposition is good in midfield and not at striker. I think that of all the options that we've got right now, um, Havertz playing up top with Jesus at right wing, and then you find something at left wing between Reese Nelson, who I think has more form, I would actually play in this match. Um, you know, I think Trissard didn't have a great performance here. Um now, if Martinelli comes back, that's a different story. But for me, that would be the best way that I would try to make up different dynamics here so that we could at least have a balance of a runner on one side and then a carrier on the other. And, and I think that you need that dual threat. You can't have too much of the same on the same side. So I would be confident that we would give City a game regardless, especially at home. But I must say, I would almost prefer it away, ironically. Um, I think we perform better away. And I think that, generally speaking, having a team against them without Rodri is just as critical as us not having Saka 
So it's mm. two teams that are, are injured, that are wounded. So the margins are small. And I think it's just on the day he was able to to sit there and and um, complete their actions with consistency. Mm. Yep. Well, Mr. 14 and Mr. VAFC have had their say. Um, but the team will have it. What about you? Hold on a second. What about you? Uh... <laughs> I was I was basically trying to avoid the question. Um, I see. You. Find out on the pod on Thursday. You have to find out on the pod. Hey, you saved me. Thanks, thanks, Babs. Um, but broadly, I I find it. I think George. I'm sort of in agreement with you. I find it hard to believe that we'll find a different solution without Saka. It feels. I think. I genuinely think it's that serious. I think. I think we can win and maybe maybe you could even argue if we have a full strength team otherwise are not necessarily favorites but i think we certainly could have the momentum going into it without roger and de bruyne um but i think without saka i i worry because i think we we then compensate in certain areas that pull certain other players out of the best positions and it changes the dynamic of the team it, it just so much changes without saka um which is why it's concerning that we haven't found a way to play without him so yeah i'm uh i'm gonna be thinking about that tonight be in bed like this Please, please, and please like and subscribe. Uh, thanks, boys. Smooth. Pleasure as always. Thank you. Ne- nearly as good as your little uh, your little link spouse, but not quite as good. Uh, please like and subscribe to the channel. Uh, please sign up to our Patreon. Please, we've got mouths to feed. Um, thanks for watching the instant reaction. Anything else to say, boys? No, it's just look, it's a tough game. I hope everybody can sit there regroup. I think this is the angriest I've been in quite a while, but um, I think we'll be back with some more energy to talk about the Man City game because, look, one game doesn't dictate our season. Um, a lot of things to be frustrated out, but also, as I like to say, or I used to say to a lot of my players, when you're down this low, the only way is up. So there's a lot of stuff that we can improve on and we can get there. So keep with Yeah, them. baby. And thanks George Lasso, support, let's go. George Lasso, let's go. What do I mean by that? <laughs> what do I mean by that? thanks for watching keep it canon pod thanks for watching the instant reaction for full episodes of the canon podcast sign up as a youtube member on this channel or go to patreon.com forward slash the canon pod sports social podcast network judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.